I loved what John just said before when he said the message that God has given or God is going to give. It's not me. So I hope that you don't look to me today. But the message actually, like I said, was put on my heart before I was asked to come here. I am the um, bereavement leader at Calvary Chapel Old Bridge or the grief uh, person there. Uh, usually it's for losses of a loved one. But I think that as you see today with the message titled Hope with Gratitude, you'll see that uh, certain losses don't have to be a physical loss. They can be many different losses. But again, I want to say thank you, John, for having me today. I also want to say that we've known each other for probably about 15 years, but Mary and I, 25. And I love this woman. So it's a pleasure to meet you today. See you again. I hope today that when we are done, you will see that a grateful heart is what I'm really thinking about. So to start with that, a little bit of a lesson. Unless you're the only person in a row, you cannot do this. But what I'd like to do is have you look to the person to your left or to your right and say to them, I'm thankful for you. There's someone by himself over here. Marvin. So my question is, with that said, how did that make you feel? As a receiver and as the giver? Okay. So that's where I want us to be, at least in our mindset today. Okay. And even when we walk out these doors, this is a very happy time for some and for some it's not. But by saying hello, holding a door, greeting them, saying, you know, have a great day, you are actually doing things that I'm going to talk about today. So I want you to know that even though we, we look at this world today and, and where it is, we don't want to focus on this world. But I want to tell you that to have a hopeful and a grateful heart is possible and it's sustainable. And yes, it can be enjoyable, just like what you just experienced. Uh, I think it's also better said, instead of saying hope with gratitude, I think it's a spirit of thankfulness that we need to be in. Uh, as I said before, a few weeks ago, I ran a grief seminar, and one of the goals is to help the people to have hope when they leave. Uh, what I think about today is we're in between Thanksgiving and Christmas is next week. Thanksgiving, we give thanks for family, friends, the food, just life in general. And what about Christmas? We give thanks for the birth of our Lord first, hopefully before the presence and the family. But what I'm thinking about is where does our hope come from? We do this willingly, right? I think about the reasons that we even come to church. Some people only come to church this time of year. This is the only time you'll see them come out. Sometimes it's because they feel guilty. Sometimes they need to be fed, and mostly sometimes it's tradition. But I know that's not you. I know that you guys come here faithfully, and that's to be commended. So if anyone ever asks you, why are you thankful? Think about that for a second. Comes up to you on the street, why are you thankful? For me, it's the answer that when God can use me today, that's why I'm thankful. Now, it might be different for you, but to have that gratitude, I looked through the Bible, I did a little research, 
Gratitude and thankfulness are mentioned 157 times in the Bible. I have to say, why do you think that is? I think the Lord wants us to have that mindset. You'll find references in the Bible, just a few to name, you know, you can look at these on your own, but the book of Job, even when things got bad, Job continued to praise God regardless, and I believe that's true faith. The parable of the woman at the well, Jesus didn't judge her, and he loved her unconditionally, and because of that, she was eternally grateful. Saul, just before becoming Paul, he gave thanks for his life. And David, in most of the Psalms, always thanking the Lord for his provision. Moses, guiding the people, eventually. And the ultimate example of gratitude and thankfulness was from Jesus. I think about wherever and whenever he prayed, he gave thanks to God, his Father. He was so grateful and led by that example, which is, I believe, the reason that we walk with him today is that by that example, because we can't see him, but where does he live? He lives in our hearts. So we, we have that type of faith. Um, again, if you came here without hope today, one of the things I was, hope, I was you know, looking to do with this message was... To le- when you leave, you'd be leaving with a grateful heart and grateful for your life. Again, like I said, the holidays are great for some and not so great for others. Just a few weeks ago, that seminar that I talked about, I thought losses are not just death. It could be loss of a friendship, a job layoff, a divorce, moving. What's happening here? Right here in this congregation. So when you look at it, Is that going to define you? Is this building your church? We are the church. Just want you to remember that. Have you ever heard the saying, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day? It goes on and it says, but teach a man to fish and you'll feed him for a lifetime. I know that is Pastor John's heart for all of you so that you can go and be fishermen, that you've learned to fish through this teaching what God's put on his heart week by week after week. So that's, by the way, not found in the Bible, that saying. That's a saying that's been passed down traditionally through generations of each culture. And I think it's one of the things that should encourage us is it's called equipping the saints. That's what people that stand up here do. That's why we do what we do. It's not a monetary thing. It's, it's a heart thing. And so you all should be very well equipped because I know my brother in the back right now is his heart as well. So just remember that. Now, these verses, if you're note takers, you can take notes. I think you're recording this as well. But 1 Peter 3, 13 through 15, summed up, God is alive in you. I want to read it, though. And it says, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear and do not be frightened. But instead, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Isn't that awesome? To know now that's, again, like I said, you can read more on your own. First Peter three thirteen through 15. An easy example for each of us, in case you're wondering, you know, how easy is this, is when we pray for our meals. 
I'm not going to ask anyone to say if you pray before you eat, but it's one of the easiest, easiest examples. It's practical. It gives us, it gives thankfulness and it's gratitude to be grateful for what you've been given. And in this case, it's food, right? You hear that all the time. I hope things work out. I hope that I get through this. But what should we be saying? I know so. I know that the Lord will take care of this. As Mary said earlier, we know he's already got the end figured out. We're just focusing on right now. He sees the big picture, and we should rest in that instead of being full of worry and anxiety. And I know for me, when I'm worried and I'm nervous, I realize something. I'm trying to control things. It's not leaving it to God to take care of it. And it's his anyway. Our next breath is his. So for example, a quick way that I pray. So for example, a quick way that I pray every morning, and it's going to be different for you. This is just the the way that I do it. Lord, please use me today with who you'd like, who you want. And I confess that I cannot do this day without you, Lord. Set my heart in the right place that you'd have it. Thank you and amen. So it's, it's very simple, but it's to the point. I want to be used. I recognize that I can't do it without him because otherwise it would be in my own strength. It would be fake. And I need my heart to be in the right place. Amen? Okay. Um, yours is definitely going to be different, your prayer, like I said, but I just want you to remember that that prayer in the morning is the most important thing because it sets the tone for your whole day. Um, And by the way, tomorrow is a new day where he can renew your strength as you pray. But yesterday is not something you need to worry about. You can't change it. It's the past. So some people live in the past, always. Some people worry about the future, always. Where is he? Where is God in today? Does that make sense? So, and I'm guilty of the past, thinking of the past. What could I have done differently? I'm guilty of thinking of the future. And neither one of them I can change because God's not in them. Okay. For today, he will be there. Matthew 28, 20 says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And as John mentioned before in Isaiah 41, 10, Do not fear, for I am with you, and do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isn't that an awesome promise? So Isaiah 41.10. Now this is where it gets practical for us. I want you to think, Vinny did not come here today to lay a guilt trip on anyone, okay? So before I say this, I just want you all to realize this is something that I deal with and I want to share with everyone. Okay, so every morning you get up, first thing you do, go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, take a shower, you may have breakfast, then you're on your way to work. You get to work, you do your job, you may break for lunch, then you you finish your day. On your way home, you think of the 90 things you have to do, how can you provide dinner and and do all of the the pay bills, do laundry, dishes, whatever it is that you do. Then you unwind, you might uh, read a book, you might play. If you have kids, you play with the children, you you might uh, get ready for the day tomorrow and then watch some TV maybe, and then you go to bed, right? Here's the challenge. 
at all from that beginning that I just described to the very end of that day, when did you talk to the Lord? Did you talk to him at any time during that day? So that's the challenge. Now, there's always room for improvement, and I'm my own worst enemy, I think. I tried to handle that in my own. I didn't talk to you this morning, Lord. And we pay the price for not talking to the Lord because then we're in our own flesh. We're in our own strength, and and that's not really where I want to be. I want him to be in control. So I try to speak to him all day long. Does that make sense? So like I said, it's it's a question that I think I ask myself every day, and I'm glad that I came here today to share it with you all. We can always look to be more in communication with the Lord throughout our day. Again, we don't come here on Sunday to get that refilling from the pastor, and that's enough for us for the whole week, because guess what? It's not enough. (laughs) It's definitely not, because I could tell you, when you pull out of this parking lot, you'll know. If someone cuts you off, you'll know. Um, he is with us all day long. And there's a word that I, I really, uh, I looked it up in the dictionary because I wanted to have the proper meaning of it. It's called yearn, to yearn for something. There's a couple of meanings. Long for, agonize, or have a strong desire for. Do we yearn for the Lord? Do we have that relationship with him where I say, or you say, can't do it without you today, Lord, like I said in the prayer. It's simple, right? Can't do it without you today, Lord, but who likes not being in control? No one. But we need to give him control of our lives every step, and it isn't, what should I eat this morning, a tuna fish sandwich or today for lunch? It's not about what should I eat. It's what should I do with the things that you've put before me today? decisions, the things that you guys are doing after service today. So, and he's there. That's the other reminder that I wanted to tell you. He is your true friend. How many friends do you know that have picked up the phone and called you and you haven't heard from in six months? Are they your real friend? Are you waiting for them to, for the ask, I call it, for the favor? Think about how you feel when that happens And how does that make the Lord feel when that's the only time you access him? I'm guilty. Every one of us in the room are guilty. When things are going good, we tend to not lean on him as much. When things are hitting the wall, then we lean on him a lot. But I want to be true as he is to us. So again, there's another question that arises to us. Are we grateful Christians? Do we just come to Easter and Christmas service? You know what that's called is the CEOs, Christmas and Easter only, or do we come all year round? Sometimes we come, as I said before, we feel led to come on a regular basis. Sometimes we come to hear from God. Hopefully that's all the time. And sometimes we come because we feel guilty about something, right? We just need to confess it. As, as I left this open, the, the call to confession that we just said is we are often silent when we should speak and useless when we could be useful. It doesn't mean you're useless, but what, are, what is not, how are you robbing God of a blessing that he wants to use you for? Because everyone in this room has this, what is called a sphere of influence that maybe John and I will never meet these people, but they're in your life. They're your coworkers. They're your family. So just think about that. When you came out here today, did you realize that 
You are a success story for one reason. You showed up. You came out today, right? It's busy this time of year. And but I want you, what I want you to do is, as we looked around before and we gave thanks to each other, I'm thankful for you. Who do you not see here today that you know? Think of that name, think of that person, and now your job is to reach out to them today or during the week. Reach out and say, I didn't see you. I'm thinking about you. You imagine what that'll do for them? When we say hope with gratitude, what will that do for the receiver of that call or of that when you stop by? Just ponder that for a second because it's so important in the world that we live in today. I know you know someone that's not here today. So that is... It's super important. John shared with me something about what's going on in your church. And I wanted to tell you all, where you worship is not what's important. It's that you worship. Right? That's, it's just something that I wanted you to think about. You are the body of Christ. And He is with you wherever you go. Another way that I remain grateful is to not get caught up in this world and its promises. The last time I was here, if there was anyone here the last time, I know Sharon, you were here, I, I mentioned that I was on a news fast, that I don't watch the news. And so you might think, well, you're really not in touch with what's going on in the world. But I am, because at the top and the bottom of every hour, there's a... Um, it's called a seven-second sound bite. It's when they give you the whole news in seven seconds for each story. So you get the highlights of the stories. But then I turn it off because I don't want to get involved in the gore and the fear and all of the things that come around it. So first thing is I feel great that I'm not addicted to the news. And some of you may look to the news. I mean, it, it might be for the weather or it might be for other things. But just... Take that into consideration. Try it for a week if you ever want to see if what I'm asking you to do is impossible. Immediately you start feeling it because the, the world is putting fear and anxiety and worry in us. That's not what the Lord is doing. And the Lord is still in control. So, today's news is wars and rumors of wars, right? And it's also found in Matthew 24. You won't believe this. When I talk about the news, just listen to this. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobeying parents, ungrateful, unholy, and the list goes on and on. And it ends with this warning. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Now stop right there for a second. A form of godliness... Again, I'm looking to me. Is that me, Lord? Do I have a form of being godly, but then I'm denying your power? So each of us, we have to ask that question to ourselves. And we need to not be discouraged because we know the truth. Again, I mentioned John. He's given you the truth. He's given you the tools. He's equipped you. So there's no excuse. And we also know the end of the story, right? We know how it's going to end. So we need not worry about that. God wins. So our anxiety goes away, but I focus on his return. And it, it's really peace. It gives you peace to know about that. And we shine, the dark, shine in the darkness. I believe that's our goal. So to move on, 
Psalm 121 says, my help comes from the Lord. So let me ask you all to repeat that. My help comes from the Lord. You either just said that or you believe that. Want to try it one more time? (laughs) My help comes from the Lord. Question again, when you say certain things, when you repeat things from the bulletin, when you hear what Pastor John is saying, believe it. And always test and question, did what he just said make sense with the Bible? Did he take it out of context? Did he have something that you would come up after and say, John, I think you were wrong in that? That blesses people from the pulpit to know one thing, that they're, they're paying attention, that they're in the word themselves. So challenge him. Again, I feel great not focusing on the news. I feel like I've put on that armor of God that we know about in the word. And I've also focused more on his word rather than the worry because you have to fill the void. If you had the news, if you had these other things, you're filling it, but you're filling it with things of, of, of the Lord. Uh, so to move on again, I, I have a, a thought about sometimes when the power that is against us, it refers to a story from Charles Stanley, Reverend Charles Stanley, the late Reverend Charles Stanley. He gave a message one time early on when I was first saved about the enemy getting a foothold on you, and it talks about sin. And I just want to highlight it very quickly. Uh, a foothold is something, if sin grabs you, it'll grab you by the ankle. It starts small, right? You can still control it. You might be able to shake it off. But then it grabs your calf. And next, it'll grab onto your waist. And now you're getting, it's almost getting you. You know, it's, it's hard to get away from. And then next, it's a bear hug. I give that analogy there because at that point, you cannot get away from it. It's taken over. And um, I know that that can be many things. It can be a drug. It can be the news. It can be so many things that that are those sins that were, but we don't want to be hooked. We don't want to be hopeless. And we certainly don't want for it to take over in our lives. So here's my suggestion. Cry out, Lord, help. Now, that's really simple. Lord, help. Again, like I said, I can't do it on my own, right? He is with us all day long. And I believe that when you read your Bibles regularly, this is where your strength comes from. Amen? So Hebrews 6.10 says, He does not forget your work. In other words, it's not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus gives us victory over sin. And my favorite verse, 2 Chronicles 16, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. So in those three verses, what I heard was, He doesn't forget. He gives victory, and he shows himself strong. So those three things are what we need to remember. I hope so far that you're getting the idea that in this message, it's about being grateful in all things. So that even means trials. So I have a friend named Anthony that I just want to share briefly about his trial. And when he told me the story, I, was, I said, I have to add that into this message so everyone can hear it. Uh, his father <clears throat> worked in New York City. Uh, 45 years ago, he was hit by a taxi cab driver that was uh, not licensed, 
and he fled the scene. So they never were able to find him. And his dad had two broken legs, a broken back, a skull fracture, and the doctor said he's not going to live through the night. So his whole family was there. By the way, Anthony was 10 at the time, so he's telling us the story now. He's 55, so 45 years ago. And um, they gave him no hope to last through the night. And his uh, one aunt came in who was a, a believer, and she said, well, let's just pray for a miracle. So the next morning, doctors came in and said, it must be a miracle. He's going to live. And so, of course, now they were, now all of the bitterness and the anger toward the taxi cab driver that they can't find has now changed. So fast forward to today, when he told me the story about a week ago, the entire family is are Christians. Everybody, because of this event, needed to go through that event to strengthen their faith or to even begin to have faith. And so I realized, and by the way, his father lived to 82 years old. He was handicapped. You know, he had a wheelchair, and but he lived. And the entire, the more important moral of that story is that his entire family came to know the Lord. And so I'm friends with him now because of that event. If you can understand the things that happen in this life that we say, this makes no sense, but yet it does. So I, I thought that was a, a wonderful example of, as we go through trials, how, um, how God is with us through them. In Calvary Chapel Old Bridge, we have a um, relief effort where they just came back from Hawaii, from Maui, where they're doing um, sifting through the rubble of the houses that burned down through the fires. And one of the brothers just this morning was telling me, you know, I asked him to tell me what, what happened there. And he said, well... There was really nothing to do because it's just ash. You know, their houses are just completely gone. So I helped people sift through their life and try and find some remnant of it. And they were eternally grateful for him coming and doing that. So again, it, it's what does God put on your heart? How can you make that difference? And, and he's admitted to me, he goes, I was way out of my league and I was way too emotional. So I could envision him sitting in the corner crying more than the people that had lost everything. But yet, when he got involved in everything, he started to say, oh, this is why I'm here. So, uh, I have a list that I brought copies with me, and I'll leave somewhere on the side that you can grab on your way out that really go into a little bit more detail here. But it's ten ways or ten things that you can do to change the world. Now, number one is to study yourself and be aware of who you are. Number two, seek like-minded people in all different walks of life and family situations, but keep the main thing the main thing. Number three, have ethics and integrity. Go against the grain of culture and stand up. Don't be a follower, be a leader. Number four, keep learning. Don't just trust the person that's speaking to you from the pulpit. As I said before, research it for yourself. Number five, develop compassion. Try to understand what others are going through and don't be so quick to judge. Number six, focus on the mission. Have the mindset, I am a seed planter. If God wants someone to be saved, the door will be open. And by the way, he does the saving. Number seven, keep your heart and mind on the end game. Create those changes with the Lord, not on your own. 
Number seven, I'm sorry, number eight, get out of your comfort zone and make changes by taking chances. Number nine, give until it hurts. Stop being a taker. So serve some way, pray often throughout the day, and give where God puts it on your heart. And the last one, have faith. We were created with a purpose to love and serve others. Please don't rob God of the blessings that he has for you. So again, I'll have the copies up front to close. I want to leave you all with this challenge. As we know, next week is Christmas, right? We're going to get around the family members we love and the family members we don't love. We're going to go out to a store and we're going to wait on a long line. I know this. You might go to someone's house or you might have a house full of people. You're going to go shopping. You're going to spend money that you either have or don't have, but you know you have to get certain things, right? It's the holiday season after all. I want you all to remember, and this is the challenge, to have a grateful heart. Let the world see you with a grateful, kind, and loving heart through it all. Let someone in front of you in line see what happens. They'll, they'll say humanity still exists with there's kindness still in this world and things of that nature. The last thing I want to say is I had a very good friend, Pastor Gary, who's been passed for a long time. And his saying when we would always part was, go splash Jesus on them. And I really love that. What does that mean? It means you're overflowing. It seem, it's like when they leave seeing you, like I hope when I leave here today, you'll remember some of the things I said that I was able to give you the Lord, right? Well, what do we leave with people when we leave them? So go splash Jesus on people. Thank you for having me.